Before we call upon our good brother, Mr. David Warwick, uh, to minister to us in song this evening, I would like us to turn to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. And as you read this uh, portion of scripture with me tonight, I want you to think about a, a young man who learned to say no. So I've already given you the theme for tonight. Let, let's read from <laughs> Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed, and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favoured, and skilled in all wisdom, and cunning in knowledge, and understanding science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king now among these were of the children of Judah Daniel Hananiah Mishael and Azariah unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name of uh, Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of uh, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favour and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse liking than the children which are of your sort? Then shall ye make me to endanger my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenances be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children which eat of the portion of the king's meat, and as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter, and proved them ten days. 
And at the end of ten days, their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus, Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore stood they before the king, and in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. And Daniel continued even unto the first year of King Cyrus. Amen. We pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing the reading of Daniel chapter 1 amongst us tonight. Now I do welcome you all here. Uh, especially want to welcome uh, David Warwick uh, amongst us. Um, we're really glad to have David from our Balamina congregation. Uh, I met him many, many months ago. Uh, it was certainly in Sandown congregation. Or, and then it was Aknacloy. That's right before that. Uh, and uh, we're delighted that he's here this evening. Uh, I do apologise for not having it in the bulletin. Um, uh, once again, it's, uh, I, I work on two different diaries uh, from year to year, and it's in an old diary of 2014, and I forgot to transfer it across, so I do apologise for that. Uh, so I apologise for those that are absent that may have planned to be here tonight. Uh, but uh, for those of you who have come, I trust and pray the Lord will bless the ministry of God's servant uh, to us. I'm going to ask them now to minister to us. Thank you.
Thank you. 
Now my text this evening is taken from Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. It reads as follows, But Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's mate, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And my subject this evening, as I've announced it, a young man who learned to say no. The destruction of the great city of Jerusalem was, I believe, one of the worst events in the history of the children of Judah. For years, the princes, the prophets, even the people of Judah refused to contemplate that such event could happen or take place. They denounced the prophets of God who came with warning that judgment was coming. They were saying things, well, you're wrong. Well, um, we'll never be defeated. Uh, you're, you're traitors to the cause and your people. Uh, you've got wrong views of God. Uh, he will not judge us for our sin or for our lifestyle. We are God's people after all. Then after years of warnings, the Babylonian army came well equipped they attacked the city of Jerusalem and in a few days the holy city was taken with superior power with a great tactical planning they set about bringing Jerusalem into a state of total desolation I'll tell you what they did they knocked down its walls they burnt 10 of its gates they destroyed its magnificent temple. They stole the golden furnishings and ornaments for the uh, service of God. They wasted palaces. They ransacked homes. You see, the Babylonian soldiers cared nothing from Jerusalem. The, the soldiers were determined to wreak as much destruction as they could. They not only destroyed places, but they degraded the people. Those that were not murdered were taken captive. Tens of thousands were made into prisoners of war. They were taken from their homeland, from their families. They were marched on a 500-mile journey across the Syrian desert uh, to Babylon. They took not the old and the able-bodied, but they also enslaved the young people, young men and women. Think of it. The rising generation were taken as slaves to a foreign land. Surely an horrendous experience for young men and women. Terrifying, heart-wrenching, forcibly taken from their homes and their families, being forced into slavery. Of course, we know from the news bulletins that this is nothing new to us. Here it is in the Bible, um, hundreds of years before Christ ever came. Now, one such young person among them was a lad by the name of Daniel. He, along with others, was taken captive. And the opening chapter tells of the exploits, especially of four young men, whom I believe were saved by the grace of God, who, who, who loved the Lord with all their heart, their soul, their mind and strength, young men who would choose to suffer rather than sin. Young men who would choose to call for worship rather than commit wickedness against the Lord. Young men who would choose to stand for the honour and glory of Christ rather than complain, rather than compromise. Young men who chose to obey God rather than deny Him 
or, or embrace anything else, uh, even in the face of pressure and problems. Young men whose hearts were in fire for God. Young men with an eye to the spiritual rather than eat earthly things. Uh, young men who could really cry in the spirit of the Ulster Protestant, no surrender. Because these young men, they learned to say no. And the young man that was to the forefront who learned to say no was, was Daniel. The other was Shadrach, uh, Meshach and Abednego to give them their Babylonian names. Now, now that's what we're thinking about tonight. I want you to think of three things just very quickly. Think of the scheme that was plotted against Daniel. Remember these boys, including Daniel, early, late teens, entered Babylon. They're beginning their teenage life in a foreign land. They're slaves, remember. They're prisoners of war. They're despised, they're hated, they're maltreated. Um, they would probably have been um, housed off into different parts of the city, probably ghettos or into the provinces. They would have little comforts. They would have known hard labor. At times they probably felt it was better to be dead and free rather than being in servitude. But this chapter tells us that the king of Babylon seized upon a plan, came up with a scheme. He told his captain to choose out the best of the young men. You'll read that in verse 4. The most promising young men, the, the future leaders, the, the stalwarts of Judaism, and bring them into the Babylonian court. Now why? This was his idea. This was his plan. And out at the heart, it was to make them or to change them into Babylonians. His idea was, I want them to live as we do. I want them to eat what we eat. I want them to talk like us, to think like us. I want them to behave like us. I want them to forget their past, their heritage, their religion. I want to convert them to the lifestyle and the ways and the custom of the Babylonians. I've got their bodies, but I want their hearts. I want their minds. I want to control their life. You see, there's a battle going on here for the hearts and minds of the young people. And that was the evil strategy of the king of Babylon. And how did he do it? What did he, 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 he attempt to achieve? Notice, he changed their titles. If you look with me at uh, verse 6, it mentions four children of Judah, Daniel, Mishael, Hananiah, Azariah. Those are Hebrew names. Now do you see that in verse 6? You young people that's reading your Bible tonight. Those names of all reference to God. Daniel means God is my judge. Hananiah means one that Jehovah favors. Mishael means who is what God is. Azariah means Jehovah helps. I'm not going to go into the etymology of those words, but I want you to take it from me. That's what the words mean. So here's four young people 
And in their names at least they're bearing testimony to the living and the true God. Four young people, as I've said, I believe who are saved. Four young people that have got a ready testimony. Four young people that are real witnesses to the Lord in Babylon. Four young men familiar with the Lord. Following the Lord. That love him. That are loyal to him. That that, that are living for him. Now what did the king of Babylon do? He gave them all new titles. Why? He wanted to remove all reference to God from their lives. He wanted to remove every trace of the living God from their hearts and minds. He was eradicating all references to God. He wanted them to forget God. And he gave them different names. Look at verse 7. Under whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. And to Hananiah Shadrach. And to Mishael Meshach. And to Azariah Abednego. Now what was he doing? He was substituting their names for God, the living and the true God, for the names of the false gods of Babylon. Names that were associated with heathen idolatry. That's the first thing he did. You know what else he wanted to do? He wanted to change their teaching. Look at verse 4. It says in the latter part of verse 4, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. The word Chaldeans is another name for for Babylonians. In other words, he wanted them to learn the chat and the customs and the corruptions of the Babylonian empire. Here's what it was all about. It was a clever ploy. He wanted these young men to return to school. Let them learn our ways. Let them learn our culture, our customs, our corruptions, our chat. I'll tell you something else. He wanted to change their testimony. Remember I told you he changed their names. And each of these four names were significant. Think of Daniel. God is my judge. What name did he get? Belteshazzar. Now, let's compare scripture with scripture. Turn to Daniel chapter 4 with me and the verse 8. Daniel 4 verse 8. Notice this, please. I want you to think of the context. Nebuchadnezzar speaking, and he's speaking about Daniel. And he says, but at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. Now, now, do you see that? You see, part of this cunning plan was to introduce them to the false religion of the Babylonians, to introduce them to idolatry, to get them to accept idolatry, to get them to accept immorality. You see, part of the plan, there's a battle for the hearts and minds of the young people. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to stop at nothing to achieve his aim and fulfill his ambition. He's a cunning schemer. He's like the devil. These young people change their titles. Change the teaching. Change their testimony. Give them a different name so they identify with us. And notice something else. Change their tastes. It says in verse 5, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. So nourishing them three years. That at the end 
they're off, they make a stand before the king. You see, there's a daily portion of the king's meat. There's a daily portion of the king's wine. So think of these young teenagers. Remember they're slaves. They're not living in the ghettos. They're living in the palace at Shushan. And they're getting the king's meat. They're getting the king's wine. Now, now ask yourself this. Why change their diet? Could I suggest to you, I believe it was for this reason. The meat and the wine was sacrificed to idols. It was dedicated to the gods of the Babylon. Every meal that they would have eaten was a holy meal. It was looked upon as a gift from the gods. And when the meal was served, thanks would be offered to the gods. That's what the commentators suggest. So there's a clear issue here. Here's meat and wine that's offered and dedicated to false gods. And false gods are praised for the provision of this meal. And as I've said, it's all part of a clever plan to train them up to forget God. To, to train them up in the ways of corruption. To, to, to draw them from the law of the Lord. To draw them from the life of God. Uh, to to, to the, the pathway of sin. To, to, to get them to do as the Babylonians are doing. Now, now, can you see the evil strategy here? The strategy... The scheme that was plotted against Daniel. You've heard the saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. That's a mindset of acceptance. That's a mindset of having a claim. That's a mindset of accord. And as I thought in that, I said to myself, that's the very same plan of the devil for our free Presbyterian young people. And young people, if you're here tonight, and I'm sorry there's not so many, you who profess to be saved, the devil wants you to be drawn away from God and the things of God. The devil wants you drawn towards false teaching. The devil wants you drawn away to accept falsehood and false worship. The devil wants you drawn to the place where you act and think and talk and behave just like a man of the world or a child of the devil. And I'm going to say this tonight. There are many good, free Presbyterian young people growing up amongst us. And we thank God for them. And they love the Lord. And they're loyal to Christ. And they're seeking to live for his glory. And we commend them to God. But let me also say this. There are many other free Presbyterian young people. And they've been taught in our youth, our Sunday schools, our Bible class. They've sat in our churches morning and evening and many of those young people have thrown it all away and they've turned their back on it and they want nothing to do with it now why what's happened they want an acceptance by the ungodly they, 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 they want an accord with the ungodly they, they, they want to live at peace and be accommodated among them and what they can't realise what they do not understand, that this is a clever ploy of the devil to destroy and damn their souls, to bring them down to perdition and destruction. Young people, this world is no friend to God. This young people is no friend to the grace of God. Neither is the devil. He's a liar. He's a murderer. 
And oh, that we could see, see, see the scheme plotted against Daniel. Not only by Nebuchadnezzar, but behind that was the devil. Notice secondly, I want you to think of the stand that was proposed by Daniel. It says in verse 8, but Daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. You see, the name Daniel means, as I have said, God is my judge. And Daniel had this thought uppermost in his mind, I'm accountable to God. The Bible says that then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Daniel had this thought in his mind, not only is he accountable to God, but he is dependable upon him. All the blessings and benefits physically and everything else that he enjoys comes from God's hand. And Daniel in Shushan Palace proposed in his heart that he was going to say no to the king's meat and to the king's wine. The word proposed means a strong decision. In other words, he was resolute. He was fixed. There was a steely determination. Remember what I said this morning, true religion is a matter of the heart. True religion is really a heart religion. If you got a new heart and you love the Lord, you'll know that obeying your God is the very essence of true Christianity. I think of Daniel's conviction here. This was not a passing notion. He was not being awkward. The man was fully convinced. His heart was right before God. His mind was made up. He knew that his course was a right one. He could rest his case. He could say, I believe that I'm doing the right thing. You see, this was a good choice. This was a spiritual choice. It was true conviction that got the hold of him. This is what God wants me to do. He fixed his heart and mind on God, on God's truth, on God's way, and on God's word. And with unquestionable, unyielding steadfastness, he took an excellent stand for God. Daniel did well. Now think of it. He was chosen to live in the king's palace, not in a ghetto. Wasn't that the best place, humanly speaking, for a prisoner of war? He was going to be well cared for. Food and drink was provided. No doubt clothes, a bed. He was going to be educated. You could hear someone saying, Now, Daniel, this is a real good opportunity, son. Let me give you a wee bit of advice. Keep your head down when you're in there. Don't blow this. But let me ask you this. What was more important for Daniel? I'll tell you what it was. His relationship with the Lord. He was going to stand without apology for God and his ways. And oh, that we had young people with the same mindset today. With that spirit of conviction, I'm saved and I'm going to stand without apology for God and his truth and God's ways. What's more important, young people, than wealth? What's more important than fame and, and prestige and popularity and the applause of the world? I'll tell you. The honour 
and the glory of the true and living God. Remember we said this morning, what is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I quote it, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Even in mundane things like eating and drinking. Here's a protest. And it's about a portion of the king's meat. Isn't it interesting that Daniel didn't protest about being taken to the palace? He didn't have a protest when his name was changed. But he did protest at the king's meat and wine. Do you know what he said to the eunuch that was in charge of him? I'm not eating that. No way. Why did he protest? Remember what I said. The king's meat. This was a change in taste here. The king's meat was a holy meal. It was a gift from false gods. The meal was served and thanks was offered. It was a clear issue. Daniel was saying, if I eat this meat and drink this wine, I'm giving credibility to their gods. It involves idolatry. It means me sinning. I'll lose my testimony. It means me backing and endorsing false worship. And in his heart and mind, he drew a line. And by his mouth, he said no. I'm not prepared to eat this and worship false gods. Think not only of his conviction, but very quickly think of his courage. How many prisoners of war were there among the young people? We don't really know. But here's in chapter 1, only four young men mentioned. I believe there was others who didn't share his conviction. I could hear them saying, Daniel, you're too extreme, son. Daniel, you're being old-fashioned. You're a bit out of date. You're being a bit awkward. You're, you're biting the hand that feeds you. Is it any wonder the Babylonians hate us? You're being stupid. You're being a head case. You're going to get us all butchered in our beds, son. See, that's the language of fear. Remember, the fear of man brings a snare. But Daniel dared to stand up. Daniel dared to be different. Daniel dared to speak out. And it took courage. See, it wasn't easy to take a stand for God. Daniel could have been put to death. Think about Melzar, the eunuch. Remember what he said to Daniel? Whenever Daniel made this protest, he said to him, Then shall ye make me endanger my head to the king. And if Melzar's head was on the line, how much more was Daniel's? And maybe you're here tonight, and you're saved to the glory of God, but you're the only Christian in your workplace. There's nobody else of your workmates that are a Christian. They don't love the Lord. And you feel awed and you feel different. Maybe it's the same in school. Maybe you're even being bullied because you're a Christian. Maybe you're the only Christian in your family circle. And you're, you're laughed at. And you see, Melzar said to Daniel, um, I fear my Lord the King, verse 10. Daniel the King won't be too happy with me. Or with you. The King will be furious. You're endangering my life and yours. But even that didn't stop Daniel. There was a simple issue of a separation. There was the simple issue of obedience to God because God is holy. And separation unto God and obedience to the Lord 
are vital aspects of the true life of a Christian. Are you saved tonight? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing part? Have you got a testimony that you belong to the Lord? Let me ask you also, are, are you seeking and striving to live separated unto the Lord? Putting the Lord first? See, Christianity today pays scant regard to God and his word. It, it ignores the Ten Commandments by and large. God's standards have been set to the one side. And isn't that what Christ is looking for? Didn't he say, if you love me, keep my commandments? We, we, we could ask certain men, do you love the Lord? And they might even say, yes. We had men in um, Walsingham that told us that they were Christians. And we pointed this out to them. Well, if you're a true Christian, here's what it says. If you love me, keep my commandments. Keep means to take great care of. And isn't there a great carelessness toward God's word today? Where, where for many, the word of God has no place in their Christian life. But I believe Daniel had a reverence and a respect. He had a recognition of God's word. He knew the standard that God was looking for. And he applied it in his life. In our individual lives, folks, there's questions that facing us. In our congregational life, there's questions that face us as far as God-obtained observances are concerned. This is a day of apostasy, a day of declension. A day when much has invaded the true church. And here's Daniel. And he took a stand because of conviction. And he took a stand with courage, not fearing even for his life. And that's what we need today. The same mindset. Notice lastly. And I hurry through this. For the sake of time. The success that was provided. For Daniel. Look at verse 20. See Daniel stood for God. And Daniel lost nothing. Daniel had a test with Melzar. He said to him for 10 days, feed us just pulse and water. And then after 10 days, see how we're faring. And then we can stand before the king. And after three year period, when they were examined, Daniel and his three friends were wiser. They were greater and they were healthier. And the secret was this. God was with them. And God provided for them. And God gave them. All that they need. And you see God is looking for such young men today. Young men with a testimony. Young men that will stand for God. And his honour. Young, young men that will want to know and enjoy God's blessing. Young men who will stand in the gap. Young men who will say no to sin. Young men who will say I surrender all. Young men who will say I dare to obey God. Rather than men. Young men who will say. I want to do what's right. Because I love the Lord. Because I want to be loyal to him. Because, because I've decided to live for Jesus. The success that was provided for Daniel. It was given by God in grace. They lost nothing. Because they stood for the Lord. We were singing. Dare to be a Daniel. Will you dare to be a Daniel tonight? 
And even though the devil has a great scheme and plan, will you seek to stand with a purposeful heart? And will you know this success? Because you know with assurance and certainty God is with me. And God has gifted me. And God has provided for me. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to our heart. There's probably other lessons that we could learn. But I trust it will be benefited by what we have received tonight.